please may you welcome Aidy. She's going to come and preach the word. I'm going to pray for you. Huh? Aidy rang me during the week and said that God was was downloading things to her, and she shared some of it with me. And she said, "Do you think I could share this?" And I said, "Absolutely." After I pray, <laughs> but. I'm excited because AD has stepped out. This is what we've been saying all the time. Jess has been harping on about we want to hear people's voices. We want to hear what God's sharing. Bring it to Jess and I. Come. And the reason that we do that in, in the safety net is so that we can, we can direct it and guide and see where God is leading us. God has asked Jess and I to lead this house. So it's not come through us so we can micromanage. It's come through us so that we can see where God's placing it and put it in the right spot. What AD wants to share is phenomenal, carrying on from what we've been preaching and the line we've been going. So please, um, let's just honour her. So let's just pray for her now. But this is not an easy thing. I know she's nervous because I'm nervous every time I stand to preach the word. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you. God, I thank you for 80, for Jeremy and for their family, Lord. We just pray that you would pour a blessing out upon them. As Jeremy's at home with with. Benjamin, who's ill at the moment, God, would you just bring healing to their family? Would you fill their, their house right now where they are? God, may there, be, may there be an absolute thickness of your spirit there. And God, for 80 right now, Lord, we just pray for courage, Father, to say the things you've asked her to say, to be bold and courageous. God, I just, I just ask that your peace come, that Jesus, you be walking with her, Lord, that the things that you want to say through her, may they be cemented in our hearts and begin to grow. We thank you. I honour this lady. Thank you for all that you're doing in and through her, Lord. May you be glorified and may you be blessed here today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank Go you for that. that. Yeah, what an introduction, hey. <laughs> all right, so um, as, as most of you know, we have been talking a lot about identity. And I was wondering if any of you had ever wondered why it is so important for us to actually understand and walk in that identity. Okay, so that is what I'm wanting to touch on today. And I'm going to use a lot of Bible stories, a lot of um, passages, so make sure you have your Bibles ready. I'm going to be throwing them at you a lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, so the first story that I want to read with you is in Numbers chapter 13. We're going to start with verse 1. Right, and it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them, men who were heads of children of Israel. Now, it, it goes through the next several verses. It goes through all the names of them. So you have Shemua, you have Shaphat, Caleb, Egal, Hoshea, who later on in the chapter, we see that Moses changes his name to Joshua. Um, Palti, Gadiel, Gadi, Amiel, and so on. Now, on verse 17, it goes on and says, like, go, and I want you to check out this land. I want you to see who the people are, whether the land is good or not whether they live in strongholds or camps, you know. And so he sends them out, and for 40 days, these men are just looking at the land, looking at the people, checking it out, looking at the fruit. And 40 days later, they come back, okay? So this is where we're going to move on to verse 25. It says, if 
and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, and they brought back to them word and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we went to the land where you have sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Now, after hearing that report, who here would like to go and check out this land for yourself, right? Who's here that wants to go and take it? No one, right? Oh my God, there's giants in this land, it's cities, they're fortified. What am I doing here, you know? No one wanted to go. Everyone listened to that report. But then on the next verse it says that Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. So here we get to see Caleb is listening to what God has said, you know, I have given you this land, go and take it. But everyone else is hearing like all the bad stuff about this place. It's like, I ain't touching it. <laughs> and we get to see that again, you know, on, on verse 31, it says, the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they spied out saying, the land through which we have gone spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. Now from this chapter, that last uh, verse is the one that really spoke out to me, you know, because they say, we saw ourselves like grasshoppers. And I mean, if you look at all the different translations, um, let me just come over here. So the, the ESV says, we seem like ourselves, like grasshoppers. Uh, the New Living Translation was actually quite interesting. It says, next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Now, I don't know you. I can't read minds. I don't know what people are thinking unless I ask them, and even then, whether they give me an honest answer or not, it's up to them. But I can't really think for sure what a person is thinking, right? Unless anyone here can. That would be amazing. Okay, but so we can probably safely say that the Israelites, the 10 men that gave out that report, were just making an assumption. So far, so good? Okay. That's good. Now, this is where the people decided to listen to that bad report. They decided to side with the, the 10 men instead of siding with Caleb and Joshua. I mean, even to where in the next chapter we see that Caleb and Joshua are like, listen guys, God is with us. God is for us. Let's go and take it. We can do this. And the people were so afraid and so upset that they almost took them outside and stoned them. That's quite a precarious situation to be in. And I mean, God got upset about it. God said, you're not, you, you've forgotten what I've told you. I just told you I've given this to you. And Moses had to step in and be like, God, don't kill us, don't kill them. You know, it's okay, you're a God of mercy, you're a God of love. And so God decided to keep the people of Israel in the wilderness for an extra 40 years. 
It says that it was one year for every day that they spent out in the land of Canaan. Um, and, and I mean, 40 years later, we get to see um, when Joshua has now taken possession or leadership of Israel, and they go into the land of Canaan and they, they approach the city of Jericho, right? Who's, who's heard that story? Yeah. So, so Joshua sends two men to actually spy out the city and they meet Rahab. And Rahab hides them and talks to them. And that conversation that Rahab had with the spies really brings out a very different perspective from the report that was given 40 years prior. So if we go to Joshua chapter 2. And starting on verse 8, uh, 9. And so she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard that the Lord dried up the, the water in the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in any anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, I mean, I feel like the difference is very clear, but what the people in Canaan saw of the people of Israel does not match at all the report from the 10 men. <laughs> That bad report, it was like, yeah, we're grasshoppers. You know, surely, surely that's how they see us. But you see Rahab being like, no, we've been over here agonizing in terror, waiting for you to arrive and kill us all. You know, we heard about your God. We heard about what he's done for you. And we know that you've come and you're going to destroy us. I mean, and it's, it's very easy for me, at least, to relate to the story. You know, how many times... Has there been an opportunity for you open up and you didn't take it, you didn't go for it? Why was it? You know, was it because you just didn't feel ready for it? Was it that you just didn't know it was the best opportunity for you at the time? Or how about like, have you ever stopped yourself from going and talking to someone? You get that little urge of like, you know, maybe I should go and say hi to somebody. Maybe I should go and pray for this person. And you stop yourself because, oh, what are they gonna think of me? Are they gonna judge me? Are they gonna think I'm silly? You know, I'm going to look so dumb in front of them. And it's so easy to shut ourselves out. You know, yesterday, we were at a swimming lesson for our kids. And I came in and I sat down. And I could have very easily just gone into my phone as Jonathan is doing his swimming lesson and just sit down for half an hour, mind my own business, be in my own little bubble. But I sat next to this woman. And I just felt that, that little nudge, you know, like just say hi. Start talking, you know. And turned out to be a lovely woman. She's, she's Colombian, and she's only been here with her family for about a month, and we just had an awesome conversation, and she just kept saying, like, oh, my God, it's like God sent you for me. This is so awesome. You've been, like, a godsend. It's like that opportunity was there. I could have said no to it, and I could have just not made a friend, you know? I could have not ministered to some level to somebody else. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, this is regular situations, day-to-day -day situations where we can find ourselves, where it's like God has given you the opportunity, God has given you the courage, God has given you the heart to go and talk to these people, you know. Um, another great example 
um, that I found is actually on Matthew. This is Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. So let me find that here. I told you I was going to give you a lot of scripture. <laughs> now this is the story where we see Jesus walking on the water, and I'm, I'm sure everyone has heard this one before. Um, so starting at verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. Now when the evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So again, another great example, you know, like Peter has just been called by God to say, step out. And so he confidently, very cocky, like gets out of the boat, starts walking on water and gets distracted by this wind and the waves and takes his focus off of Jesus. Okay? He starts to sink and starts getting afraid again. He's like, save me, save me. And it's the same situation, you know, it's the same kind of attitude where, where he forgot the calling of God. <laughs> he changed, he shifted his focus. And when that happened, that was when the fear came in. That's when, when that anxiousness came in. That's when the sinking started to happen. Okay? So this is where I, I feel like we, we need to learn how to walk in that identity. You know, who are you? Whose are you? You know, that's what the Israelites forgot. They forgot who they were, who they've been called by. Apparently, everyone else in Canaan knew. true i mean you see that the testimony from rahab every everyone knew it was like no nah, their god is amazing and it's great and mighty you know he's gonna kill us all we're we're afraid of that god the israelites forgot whose they were they were sons and daughters of the god lord almighty you know and you know i mean each one of us here has a calling Ephesians says that we're supposed to walk according to the calling of god on our lives um, and I know that your calling is going to look different from mine. Your journey is different from mine. So your calling doesn't necessarily have to be being here, talking to somebody, being a prophet, being an apostle. You know, but you still have a calling of God. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's, it's so easy to forget. We get so busy in our day-to-day -day lives. It's so easy to just get into a habit of things and forget about just spending that time with God spending that time with Jesus and, and letting Jesus show us who he's made us to be, what his calling is for us. And again, it doesn't have to be anything great, but the moment we decide to not step out in that calling, the ones that are missing out are us. Like the people of Israel forgot they stepped out of the calling and they didn't get to step into the promised land for 40 years. 
Okay, they had to wait until that generation to die out so that the next generation could go and step into that calling of God. You know, um, there was, whenever I went to Bible college about 10 years ago, there was one of our teachers called Bob Yandian. And he was a pastor in Oklahoma. He had a very large church. He has since retired. But he told us about how once upon a time he was just praying, you know, and, and he's like, yeah, God called me to step into this house, to step into this church and take charge of it. But he felt God tell him like, oh, you're not the first person that I have asked. He's like, oh, really? How many, do, what, what number of person am I, you know, that I finally answered the call? He's like, you're number seven. I called six people before you to take that position and none of them stepped up until you. And I mean, he's had a great ministry but it could have been one of the other six. It could have easily been one of the other six people God called to step into this position. So whenever we decide not to walk on that calling, we're the ones missing out. God will call someone else to take our place. <laughs> and I know sometimes it's a very hard pill to swallow, you know? It's hard to become uncomfortable and step out. It's uncomfortable going and saying hi to a person you've never met. But we might be the only person that ever brings Jesus to them. You know? And this is where I do feel that that identity is just so important. Now, the Bible says that we were created in his image, right? Genesis says that, that God created us, he created us in his image. So I feel like the best way for us to look at who, who we are is really looking at who God is, right? I mean, if we, we've been made in his image, what better place to start looking at than God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, right? So I know that I'm obviously not going to be able to go over every quality and characteristic of God right now, <laughs> but I do want to touch on some of those that I believe are very important in our walk in Jesus, okay? Let me see where I left. All right, so what I believe is probably the number one most important characteristic of God, and it's not just because it's who God is, but it's also a commandment to us. It is love, right? So we look at um, John 3 and 1 John 4. It tells us God is love. So let's look at what, what is love. You know, what does love look like? And that should be fairly easy if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Surely some of you have heard this one before. <laughs> All right, so starting on verse 4, it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And I know like that, that set of verses, I mean, it talks more about what love isn't than what love is. But it's a pretty good standard to start going by, you know, like whenever someone comes to you with a big news, are you excited for them or are you envious? Are you angry that they got the promotion, you know? Are you upset about them getting a new car and you're still having a not-so-nice car that you wish you could trade for something better. 
I mean, it's happened to us. <laughs> Don't know you, but it happens. It happens, you know. We hear about people moving forward and getting better things or getting a new house or whatever. And it's so easy to get like, oh, God, when is it going to be my turn? You know? But that's not what love is. Love will get excited. Love will celebrate that. You know, it's so awesome that God is doing something amazing in your life. It's awesome that God is like actually moving you forward. Okay? Now, there's a lot of, um, there's several other passages that show us what love really should look like, you know? Um, I mean, Matthew 5:43 tells us that we're meant to love our enemies, not just our friends. Loving our friends is easy. I can love you like nobody's business, but stepping out and loving the unlovable, that's a challenge. Loving the stranger, that's a challenge, and that's where God is wanting us to go. Because this is easy but we're not meant to stay on the easy. God is pushing us to just keep going out. And again, you don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to go and like preach Jesus to everybody. But the way that we act towards people, the way that we love on people, that will show Jesus more than our words. I mean, I remember when Ben was talking last week about Mike going into a shop, and it, I mean, it didn't require Mike to really say anything about Jesus, but the shopkeeper saw it. It's just the way that he carried himself into the store. I mean, I don't know, you. that's happened to me here. I've, I've been at a store before and it's like just talking to someone about fabric and quilting and just nothing to do about Jesus. And this lady's like, wait, are you a Christian? I'm like, um, yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I can, I can feel it. I can feel, I can feel Jesus on you. But I mean, if that can happen to me, that can happen to you. That only requires you stepping into that calling, walking in that identity, allowing Jesus to overflow. And again, it doesn't have to be with our words. We don't have to go and like say, like, hey, listen, Jesus really loves you. Like, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus really loves you. It doesn't need to be that way. We need to lead by our actions. You know, and I mean, what we say is important. The Bible says that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can look at and, and watch your conversations with people. What, what are you speaking the most to them? Is it anxiousness? Is it fear? Anger? Depression? Or is it joy? Is it love? Is it peace? And I mean, I'm not saying that this is going to be every day. I know that we are all human. No one is perfect. I'm not perfect. I have my off days where it's like, oh, I just want to strangle people. <laughs> but I have to remind myself I have to remind myself like listen that's not that's not who I am I'm not that's not a good image of Jesus showing on me <laughs> that's my flesh and I'm okay to say that you know I'm okay to say like everyone will stumble and you're okay you're fine having your day off just don't stay there get yourself back up if you had an off day start over you know I mean, I love how um, a couple weeks ago, Dave was saying, like, listen, you need to start every day just saying, hey, good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. You know, treat it like it's an actual person right there in the room with you. Because he is. He's right here in us. So, so again, I mean, we're allowed to have our off days. Just don't stay there. All right. Now, we, say for, we see, for example, how on um, John 15, it talks about how Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. It says that if we abide in him, 
we will bear much fruit. So this really reminds me of the fruit of Holy Spirit, right? So if we go to Galatians 22, we get to read a whole list right there. And it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the more time that we're spending with Jesus, the more time that we're spending in that relationship and learning who we are in Christ, the more this is going to show up, the less off days we're going to have. <laughs> the easier it will be to approach someone without fear, without fearing judgment, and just being yourself and being able to talk to people. Again, it doesn't have to be talking to them about God and the Bible and Jesus, but just having a nice, healthy conversation. You know, and again, people will notice it. Okay? I mean, this is where you're able to step out into the streets, you're able to go to a pub, and people will recognize Jesus on you. They'll be able to see you, see your eyes, and say, I can see Jesus in your eyes. It's so easy. Like, once we actually step out and actually learn how to walk in that identity, how easy it is for people to recognize that on us. You know, um, I mean, you earlier mentioned about how we're meant to, like, have an aroma, right? Um, I was just thinking about how, like, whenever I go to work or whenever I have to go out for something and I come home and I hold my kids, I can smell whenever they've been with their daddy. They smell like him, you know, and the longer that they've been in his arms, the longer that they've been cuddled by dad, the stronger the smell is. It's the same with God. The longer and the more time we spend with, with God in prayer, in worship, reading our Bibles, the more we smell like him. It's so easy. It's so easy. And, you know, again, I know I stumble myself every so often. I, I get upset at my kids and start yelling at them. And I'm like, okay, take a deep breath. How am I supposed to be acting in this situation? You know, how am I supposed to show Jesus to my children? How am I supposed to show Jesus to a stranger? When we're driving, you know, someone cuts you off. Are you going to yell obscene things at the person in front of you that just caught you off? Or just be like, all right, cool, you know, they probably were in a hurry. <laughs> Whatever. But it's so much easier to brush off those offenses, to brush off that anxiety, that anger, to brush off depression and sadness and actually put on that joy that peace that praise you know we're meant to be living in a lifestyle of praise if you look at the bible whenever the israelites would go um into battle god told them listen you need to send your worshipers first because that meant you already have the victory Whenever you step into a situation that you don't feel comfortable, do you just close yourself off and just wait anxiously until you have to get this done? Or do you just praise and pray and just listen to some great uplifting music, you know? Do you set yourself up for victory? Or do you set yourself up for failure? You don't have to answer me. <laughs> That's up to you. <laughs> but, but yeah, this is where taking that time to pray, taking the time, even if it's just a moment during the day, you know, it's like, okay, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being good to me, you know? Move on, 
keep going. But if you do this often enough during the day, if you do this every day, it changes our attitudes toward people. It changes our perspective towards circumstances. I mean, it's, it's very hard to get upset about somebody doing the wrong thing when I know that Jesus loves them as much as he loves me. That Jesus died for that person just as much as he died for me. It's easy to just brush it off. Dust yourself off, get up, keep moving forward in that path that God has called you. So I just want to encourage each and every one of you, if you don't feel that you know what your calling is, I'm happy for you to come and step forward and we can pray over you. If you feel that you, you want to see yourself more the way that God sees you, come and we'll pray with you. But again, if you feel stuck where you're at, get yourself up. Take that first step. So, yes. I mean, there was a lot more scripture, but I, I feel like that's, that's what God is really wanting to show for now. So, hope that blesses you. Why don't you stand and let's, if, if that is something, if something has touched you this morning, if something is, if, with what Adi has shared is, is stirring in you, then God has revealed a message to her. So let her pray of you. If you want to come forward, if you want to, want to come and have her pray and, and, and ask God to reveal more, then do that. But let's just open our hands now. Let's just pray and, and ask God to, to reveal deeper in, into what Adi has just shared so, so powerfully. Father, we just thank you. God, I thank you for this message which you've revealed. Lord, I thank you that, that even though at times, like Moses, we lose the understanding of who we are, that, God, your plan never changes. Your purpose, direction, lead, and guidance never changes in us. Lord, I thank you, God, that you have a, a way for us to step and a way for us to walk. God, thank you that you are calling us, leading us, and guiding us. Holy Spirit, that your voice is so still and quiet. yet strong and directional at the same time. God, I pray this morning that as we've received this message, as we've received this challenge to shift our hearts, God, that you would allow our pride to go down, to receive the things that you're saying to us we should shift so that we can see more of you. We can see more of your direction and path and purpose. God, I thank you for the ability to come and worship you this morning so powerfully, to be able to glorify your name this morning, that you would then open your word and teach and guide us. God, I thank you for Adi and her family, Father, for what they're doing, for who they are, for what they're carrying in this place. I just pray that you bless them, Lord. Pour out on them. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we love you and we honor you. And in your beautiful name we pray, amen.